Welcome to Management 101, your home for learning about management and leadership in business. Now, here is your host, Max Winokur. Hello, and welcome back to Management 101. I am your host, Max Winokur. Thanks for joining me today. Today's episode, we're going to talk about common problems that startups face and how you as a leader can effectively handle them. I compiled a list thinking about all the different startups I've worked at and with as my clients and thought about what were the common challenges that they faced that needed to be dealt with by the leadership team. And then I boiled it down to a list of what I thought were the top five that probably every startup or every company faces in some fashion. These are definitely not the only five problems that startups face, but I thought that they would be good to chat through today and hope you can learn something. To start more generally, I think that there is no right exact way to run a startup or to run a company. It's really dependent on who the leader is, who the founder is, what their strengths are, what the business does, of course. The same problems do not exist for an enterprise SaaS company as for a direct-to-consumer product company. But at the end of the day, in order to be successful and I think sustainably successful, startups and companies generally have to solve certain problems at certain points. It's, it's possible to have a really good outcome as a company, temp at least temporarily, without having solved some of the major issues. I do think that one of my former employers, Uber, is a really good example of that, where the product market fit that the company had was so tremendous that a lot of the other issues that I'll talk through today, Uber experienced in great proportions, really didn't matter that much for a long time. But even Uber, which arguably is one of the most successful growth stories of all time, ended up suffering from all of these problems I'll describe today and ultimately had to solve them. And I think one could argue, and by one I mean I, would argue that had some of these been thought about a little bit earlier or dealt with a little bit earlier, a lot of money and time could have been saved getting to the end result. Now, hindsight is, of course, 2020. A lot of great decisions were made, and obviously the outcome overall has been a good one for Uber, and that is true for a number of startups that ultimately went on to successful IPOs and exits and, and great growth stories. But if we can systematically talk through some of these problems now, maybe you as a founder or a leader of a team can think about what could you do today that will save you heartache tomorrow more effectively. So I'm, I'm going to talk through these five here in no particular order. The first problem that I think most startups face, and when I think about the companies that I've worked with, every single one of them suffers from this to, to a greater or lesser extent, is lack of focus. Companies are started by founders who, just as a profile, tend to want to do a lot. They have a vision that they want to make a reality. A lot of things need to happen in order to make that vision a reality. There has been some 
romanticization, particularly in American corporate culture, of the person who can do everything and invests all of their time and brain space into work. And what ultimately re results both from the profile of a startup founder already, as well as the typical approach that has been ingrained in the culture is just a lot, way too many things are being done at once. And when way too many things are being done at once, none of them get done to the extent that you'd want them to be done to the level of quality that you'd want to achieve. I was literally talking to a founder today. He is a team of one currently. And I asked him what was his focus going to be for the next month until we chatted again. And he said, well, I have this idea that I could go after fundraising from these groups that could be potential partners. I also think I can build out the product more. And I also think there's this other business opportunity, a slightly different customer base that I could go after. And then I also want to do some marketing and build brand awareness. And he himself admitted that that was a lot of stuff to do. But there's a version of that story that happens with every startup where they're trying to go after all of the different opportunities available to them. And in this case, I was working with this founder and just me parroting back to him all of the things that he was trying to do. It, it became clear that some of them needed to be dropped or else he would fall into the same pattern that he had been for the past year, which is the company isn't really growing. He's just kind of keeping all the balls in the air. If every startup could drop one thing from their list of priorities, I think every single startup would be better off. Now, the reason, the reason that I think it's easy to lose focus is one, there is this concept in business called shiny object syndrome. And maybe this is just ge more generalizable to humanity. Shiny object syndrome says, whatever is right in front of me is the most important thing. It's kind of like object permanence or the opposite of object permanence, where as soon as something is not top of mind, is not right in front of me, I kind of forget about it and move on to the next thing. This takes the form of in a startup, for example, someone in the company raises a problem that has occurred with a customer. They say, this customer is upset because this part of the product didn't work well. Founder, who's very customer-oriented, reacts and says, we need to fix that problem immediately so that it never happens again. And then founder goes to the rest of the organization and says, please fix this problem immediately such that it never happens again. And all of the teams start working on fixing whatever problem that was such that it never happens again. While all that occurred, another problem was arising with a vendor where the vendor was providing bad data and suddenly we didn't have good tracking on all of the customer information that we needed. And the product person or the engineer says, red flag, CEO, I need help with this thing. This is a big problem. And now CEO shifts 
everyone's focus to dealing with this problem. And that last problem only got partway fixed. Later on, that only partway fixed problem will rear its head again. As the company gets more customers, that same problem that that first customer experienced, because the company just did a band-aid job of fixing the problem, more customers will experience that problem. You can see how the cycle of constantly focusing on a different thing that happens to be bothering the company in any given day or a founder in a given day because they got a nasty email from a customer or from an employee or whatever is top of mind, you can see how that at scale falls apart. Trying to do too many things at once is also a problem because humans are inherently generally very bad at multitasking. Humans doing two things does not mean they can do each of them at 50%. They could do one thing at 100%, but as soon as you add another thing, there's a level of context switching that gets added. There's a level of brain distraction that gets added. And so if you're doing two things, you can do them at 90%. Let's say you lose 10% in that division of attention. Companies at the end of the day are just formed of a lot of humans. So if every human is bad at focusing a lot of things, a company is also going to be bad at focusing on a lot of things. If I am trying to build three different products to solve three different customer problems, I will never build those three products nearly as well as I'll build that one product that solves the biggest customer problem. And I see this happen a lot with companies that I work with where they will allocate some of the team, even just an engineering team, for example, they will focus some of the team on building some product that uh, a customer has demonstrated interest in. But the founder also has this idea that this other product is really what the customer wants. And so the founder ends up having the engineering team build both things. And this whole time, the customer has stated what they wanted and would happily buy that first thing. And it could go so much faster to market if that were the only focus. But maybe the founder has a different idea of what is needed to be built long-term. And instead of focusing on one or the other, tries to do both, both get slowed down. Both are not built particularly well. And the result is that customers aren't really interested even in that first thing that they've said they were interested in, or it takes longer to get that to market and therefore the company is slower to generate revenue. Focusing on too many things as a company is definitely a problem, but this can also be a problem at the individual level. You can have too much focus as an individual. If I'm a high performer at a company, almost by definition, I'm going to get more responsibility. And when I get more responsibility, unless I've done a really good job of boxing up that initial work that I was doing, I don't suddenly have more time in the day. I can't do these two things as well as I did that one thing. If I am about to become the chief operating officer of a company, previously I was just running customer success, and now I'm going to add on finance and HR. Where did I suddenly get the time to also manage finance and HR? The only way that I can focus on more things is by deprioritizing and delegating other things. Otherwise, I'm just going to do all three of these things a lot worse than I just did the one thing before. 
And so this is something to be careful of is, is my company or am I as a founder asking people to do too much? I think one of the red flags is if people constantly feel like they have more to do than they have time for, that's a big problem. It's not a good thing. It doesn't mean that everyone's working really hard. It means that they have too much to do. I do not like the glorification of overwork that has become rampant in tech culture. I would rather have someone spend 30 hours doing one thing really well than try to fit a bunch of things into 50 hours and do all of them terribly. At the end of the day, we have limited time. Fit into it the most important things that need to be done. That's my rant on companies lacking focus. Second problem that I see happen very regularly at startups, the inability or the extreme slowness to pivot. I worked with a company that was very focused on building a particular type of enterprise SaaS product. And that SaaS product was selling really well but customers were churning at a really rapid rate. And when we got the feedback from those customers, it was very consistently that the product itself, while a great idea, did not work all that well. And if you were a third party coming in, knowing nothing about the company and just hearing these customers, you would have said, clearly you need to build a different product. The founders... And I think the company overall was really had a lot of momentum and inertia behind the original plan. And it made the company blind to the reality of the situation, which was that while the buyers of the product were still buying it, the users of the product weren't using it. And over time, that was going to be a really big existential issue for the company. Because if your users aren't using the product, the buyers aren't going to keep buying it. And what I wish had happened, and what I wish would happen in many of the companies that I've worked with in the past, is if the team could take a step back and say, let's say that we were building something from scratch today. Let's forget that we've built knowledge about this particular product that we've created. Let's forget that we have all these systems in place to do something this way. Let's just assume that all we've learned is what we know from the customer, what we know about how they use the product and whether they like the product and whether they're going to pay for the product and what they'll pay for. Let's assume that's all we know. Would we build the same thing? Would we start the same company? Or would, given new information that we have gained since putting the product out in the world, cause us to take different actions? And I think in the case of this company that I'm talking about, it would have been very clear that that product needed to be shifted significantly to serve the needs of the customer. And what was actually happening at that company was people saying the customer doesn't know what they're talking about or the customer is stupid. And as soon as you get into that line of thinking, it should be very obvious to you as a leader that you are not pivoting when you need to. 
if you are denigrating the customer, the person buying your product, then you are not serving them correctly. And that will inherently not end well. So companies get into these tunnel vision situations where just because something is was planned a certain way, it just continues to be done that way. And the reality is that every day in a company, particularly a startup, you are getting new information about what the marketplace wants. If you are not listening to that, then you are not appropriately pivoting. And you'll end up like Blockbuster, who continued just renting physical movies until well after it made sense as a business. They kept building the thing that they knew how to do rather than going out and listening and saying, oh, the internet's a thing and streaming is going to become a thing. We need to pivot to that. There are many tales of companies who did not pivot, who ultimately went out of business or did not become what they maybe could have had they just listened to what the customer was saying and what the reality of the marketplace was and changed their approach. So that is problem number two, inability or simply slowness to pivot. Problem number three is a little bit the opposite of that, though they can both exist at the same time. And I'll say why. So problem number three is moving too fast. Moving too fast, moving at speed is not inherently a problem. But oftentimes what happens at companies, and I even have clients I'm working with currently who are experiencing this issue literally today. Sometimes what happens is when you're trying to move quickly and get things done, sometimes you are coming up with solutions before you're actually understanding the problem. I can vividly remember I was working with a company that was having trouble tracking the internal performance of a certain team. And one of the issues was that all of the work that they were doing was based in Google Sheets. And Google Sheets works fine when you have just a few customers or a few employees. But as soon as you get to more than a few users, like let's say just seven or eight, suddenly a bunch of people manipulating Google Sheets is a disaster waiting to happen literally too many cooks in the kitchen. I guess not literally because there is no cooking and no kitchen, but the figurative equivalent in the corporate world of too many cooks in the kitchen is more than three people having edit access to a Google sheet. A leader of this team said, this Google sheet isn't scalable. We need to move to another system. And the team immediately tried to come up with the solution of what other system should we use? And they moved to that other system and a bunch more problems arose with that new system. The data was accurate now, but you couldn't build any reports with it other than what the experts in that new tool had time to build you. So moving from Google Sheets, which is very manipulatable by many people, a lot more people know Google Sheets than Tableau, for example, or Query Builder, moved move over to a query-only database, and suddenly you're limited by who your data analysts are and how much time they have. 
So the data was now a lot cleaner, but it wasn't extractable by the team because the team didn't have any analytics people. And so the change was made so fast that the team failed to understand the underlying problems. One of them was certainly data quality and scalability, but the other problem, or rather the non-problem that needed to stay a non-problem was everyone was able to look at this data and use it. And because the team was just reacting to the leader saying, we need to get a new system ASAP, they failed to scope the new system properly and they ended up just creating problems for themselves, even though they solved some of the original ones. It is very easy to jump to solutions, particularly when a problem is frustrating. If you're consistently getting feedback from customers, it can sound very loud in your head. It can feel like it is your entire world, just these customers being upset about this thing. Moving straight to, we need to come up with a solution is almost always a bad idea. What's a better idea is step, taking a step back and saying, okay, this is what these customers are saying. Let me try to understand the actual problem. What the customers are saying is generally a symptom. Taking a step back and saying, what is the actual problem that is causing that symptom will almost always lead you to a more holistic and better solution that will save you a lot of time later on. You as a leader, I think, have the obligation of asking when teams are coming up with plans, can you describe the actual problem that you want to solve? And if it's just the customer said this, or this thing is frustrating, that's probably not the actual problem. And you need to ask them to go back to the drawing board or go dig deeper and say, okay, what's causing all of that to occur? Can you lay out for me what needs to be solved, what we are specifically not going to solve for, what problems are we comfortable keeping, and what problems are we comfortable creating. And only once you've defined all three of those buckets can you then say, yes, we have the right solution. So there is such thing as moving too fast. I very much buy into the concept of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And while it doesn't seem like it in the go-go culture that is the day-to-day -day of a startup, it is almost always better to take a step back and take a little bit longer to develop the right solution to just deal with that customer pain or that employee pain a little bit longer. Sure, communicate with them that you're trying to come up with the right solution, but it's almost always better to take that time to better understand it and scope it rather than having to redo the thing later because you missed some key piece in just trying to solve what was ultimately the surface level problem and not the underlying one. Problem number four, forgetting to scale. Startups are typically trying to move quickly as we just talked about, and oftentimes are going to build solutions to problems that inherently are unscalable. A good example, throwing bodies at a problem. Whenever you hear a leader say that, that is an inherently unscalable solution. As a company grows, so let's say that the customer base is growing, you're going to need more customer support people. 
if you hire a bunch of customer support people, but don't give them the right tools to be successful, they're going to end up tripping over each other and being a lot slower than when you had fewer customer support people. If you bring on a bunch of engineers, but don't hire an engineering manager, if you bring on a bunch of salespeople, but haven't developed the sales playbook and process, what you've ended up doing is you've created growth without creating scale. You maybe moved quickly to hack something together in the interest of solving an immediate problem or adding resources without thinking about what do those resources need in order to be successful. I remember a time early in my career where I was building, I think this might've been a, must've must been a capital one. Where else was I setting financial targets? I was working with a bunch of bank branches and my project was to build a, a financial model that basically set revenue targets for each financial managed financial advisor or financial planner in each of the branches. And you couldn't just set a flat target for all of them because a branch that was sitting in a high income area versus a low income area had a, had a lot more potential for revenue than the low income area. It also varied by state how pervasive the brand was. So there were a lot of things that went into setting individual targets for the financial planners. And I remember I was trying to move quickly. I'm not even sure if someone specifically told me to move quickly or if I just was in my early 20s and just really wanted to move fast and prove that I was awesome or whatever. I built a financial model that hard-coded every one of the calculations. So instead of saying, input the coefficient for this variable here, I said 0.8 and had that spread throughout the rest of the model. And so what ended up happening was the model worked once. And then as soon as six months later, when we had to set targets again, when the model needed some updating based on new information, I had to go back and redo every single one of those inputs into the model manually because I had not set it up to be a field that I could just update. I had hard coded it into the model and literally created way more work for myself the second time than if I had just taken an extra, it probably would have been an hour when I started to just set up little boxes where I typed in the input and it spread throughout the model. So this is a really good example of where I made the unwise choice of trying to move quickly instead of intelligently. And I forgot to think about how this thing would scale over time. In the startup context, I can think of a lot of examples where companies are just thinking about how do we deal with this immediate problem because it feels very pressing. We're going to contract with the warehouse that isn't in the right location and doesn't have any room for growth, but is available right now versus the warehouse that has a lot of room for growth, but maybe is going to take some time to, to negotiate the contract. That trade-off rarely ends up being a good one long-term. And I see a lot of leaders kicking themselves later thinking, oh, if I'd only made this slightly different decision before and taken a little bit more time to build the thing in a more scalable format, 
I would have saved myself so much headache down the road. Yes, it almost always saves a little time to hack something together, but you will definitely pay dearly for it later. This is particularly true in companies that have large operational functions as well as large product functions. I think the best interplay between an operations and a product team is operations comes up with the right standardized process for a given area. For example, quality assurance. You want to ensure that every widget that is produced by the company has some sort of audit process in place to make sure that the quality of the product is up to the standards that the company is trying to achieve. It generally makes sense to make a manual version of that process first, right? It's easy to iterate when you're have, having people do something rather than having a computer do something. So you test it out with people. That's the operation side. Test it out with people and you build out a best practice and a standard and you write it down and you do it repeatedly. Once you do that, then you hand it over to the product team and you say, I have this nice little boxed up process for you. There are pieces of this that can be totally automated. Instead of having someone manually copy information from this form to this system where we track information, you could just build a link between the two and I type something in on this form and over it goes to that system. We just saved a bunch of time and also some errors. If an ops team is building to hack and to move too quickly, what they might do is they might not write down the process or they might not standardize it. They'd just say, hey, just make sure that this happens every time and maybe every different quality manager tr does it a little bit differently. And then you're not so sure is the quality assurance successful because we did it this way or because we did it that way. We don't really know why there are differences in quality and it becomes really hard for the product team to then automate that process. So creating scalability from early on can have a lot of value. Obviously, there's such thing as too much scalability. You can definitely invest way too much early on in building scalable systems that really you just needed to build something reasonably scalable and then move on to the next thing. But what I find is most companies, particularly in the early stages of growth, tend to build things that MVP, minimum viable product, kind of barely work and need to be completely rebuilt as the company grows, which tends to end up costing a lot of time and money. That was forgetting to scale. Problem number four. Now, problem number five. Hiring doers instead of thinkers. Doers are a dime a dozen. It is very easy to find people who just want to grind, just want to work really hard and just do something repeatedly and just keep doing things. It is really hard to find people who are also thinkers, people who try to question why something works the way that it does. And instead of just continuously doing it, take a step back and say, maybe there's a way to do this better, even if it means slowing it down right now in order to do it better. When a company is a startup and just hiring its first people, I see founders often decide, I'm just going to hire some entry-level folks who are 
right out of school or I don't know, come from a background where they just like really enjoy the hustle culture. Maybe they come from iBanking or consulting or something. And they just focus on, are you willing to work really hard? Because that's what they think is necessary. They think this startup is going to live and die by how committed the team is. And while I do think that that's somewhat true, you can't have people just mailing it in. It's missing a key point, which is I need to find people that are not only willing to work hard, but work smart. And what I see happen in a lot of companies, once they've passed that initial growth stage, they go from 10 or 20 people to 100 or 200 people is those doers who are really good at just hustling and getting things done suddenly have no place in the organization because every single part of the org now has much deeper subject matter expertise than they're capable of achieving themselves now has people who are much more senior in their careers who are not just hustlers who know the right things to do and not just know to get things done and the problem is that these people no longer end up having a place but oftentimes those founders feel very loyal to them because they were part of the initial part of the company and keep them around doing work that is simply not productive or actually in the worst case can be actively counterproductive to other teams who are trying to get things done the problem with doers is not just that you end up at that point which is like great problem to have we're really big now and we need to shift people's roles and responsibilities it's that those people were actually doing the same thing when the company was smaller and it just wasn't as obvious doers will spend a lot of time getting a process done repeatedly and not spend nearly as much time thinking about how could I automate myself or scale myself out of this process? Or how could we do this differently such that this process isn't necessary at all? Now that's not obvious in an early stage startup because all you see as a leader is just everyone's working really hard and doing shit. But the question to ask yourself is, are these people actually thinking about whether the things they're doing are of value? And whether doing it that way is scalable, is productive, is impactful. If the hustlers in your organization are not also thinking about those things and changing what they focus on over time as they box up things and put them away and stop doing them themselves, then you know that they are just doers and not thinkers. And I believe that lots of startups can benefit from doers but i know for a fact from working with so many different startups that when you have a bunch of doers you are moving fast but not in any particularly good direction necessarily and if you could hire thinkers instead it might seem like you're moving a little bit slower but it will be a lot more deliberately and it will be a lot more forward and not just side to side. And there you have it. Now, all of my thoughts on the five problems that many startups face and how you should think about them as a leader. Number one, lack of focus. Number two, the inability or slowness to pivot. Number three, moving too fast. 
Number four, forgetting to scale. And last but not least, number five, hiring doers instead of thinkers. I hope this was a enlightening episode for you. Thank you so much for joining me and talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Management 101. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to subscribe and leave a comment or a review. That helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for tuning in to Management 101 and we'll catch you in the next episode.